They told me I use my mouth good. So I started a podcast. episode three of Iconosass and today I have a very special guest on the show co-hosting with me is Dr. Stephanie fucking Murphy. Yeah fucking is my middle name totally. It's everyone's middle name on this show. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just honored to be um, in the sassy bun club because I want to be a sassy bun. Stephanie, That's what I really wanted to be when I grew up. Fuck being a doctor, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm be a sassy bun. You wanted to be a sassy bun, but you became a doctor anyway, because you can do both. I, that's true. They're not mutually exclusive. Get you a girl who can do both. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> you actually coined the term sassy bun, which is a segment on Icona Sass. We have, we're, we have a very special sassy bun for this show, but... Stephanie is, is a sassy bun, and she coined the term. Would you like to explain what a sassy bun is? Yes, it's a woman who doesn't take any shit and just says what's on her mind, and uh, even when it goes against gender norms. And um, the way it was coined was MK and I were chatting on Facebook Messenger, as we often do, and um, we like to send each other stickers. And one day I went into the bun sticker pack, and it has like a bunch of rabbit stickers, And one of them just looks so sassy. And I sent it to MK and I said, this is you. And she was like, oh my God, I'm a sassy bun. And that was how (laughs) the term was was coined. (laughs) (laughs) So yes. So we're going to be getting to uh, sassy bun for this episode. But why don't you kind of do a quick intro? Um, We will probably have overlapping listeners i'm sure uh stephanie is the co-host or i guess main host co-host of sex and science hour dual host duo host for sex and science hour yes yes oh yeah because i have a couple of different podcasts (laughs) i was like i didn't know which one you were talking about yeah i'm a podcaster i've been podcasting since 2009 um i first started out doing a relationship advice show called pork therapy and then I was a part of the show, Let's Talk Bitcoin, about obviously Bitcoin, um, co-hosted with Adam B. Levine and Andreas Antonopoulos. And then I started my own show called Sex and Science Hour, and I host that with my partner, Brian Sovereign. And so um, that's kind of the main gig I do right now, but I also work with my voice. I'm a voice actor. And so people are listening to this and I'm like, wait a minute, I thought she was a doctor and a sassy bun. I'm totally confused now. <laughs> well, yes, I'm all of the above. I actually do like a lot of different things. But uh, what happened with the doctor thing was I went to school to, uh, to get an MD and a PhD. And along the way, I realized that that was just like way too stuffy for me and I wasn't happy doing it. And um, <laughs> I got frustrated kind of working within the medical system, which is a frustrating place to work. So uh, I changed careers and I became a voice actor and that's what I do now. Yeah, that's awesome. You have so much experience in so many different areas too. It's so badass. And, or you could call it being old. I don't know. 
life experience. <laughs> Being old. You're not old. <laughs> oh my god. Um, so yeah, so... So we may or may not be sitting here. We'll let you pick one of the above. We could be naked. You never know. We could be naked. We could I could be, be naked at any time. At any time. Like, even if you're answering the phone at a professional real estate job. Maybe, maybe I've done that. Maybe I haven't. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I've uh, done voiceovers naked that were heard by a million people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, my. We may or may not also be sitting here with um, cucumber masks on our face looking like fucking Friday the 13th over here. Oh, dude, we totally look like Jason Voorhees right now. <laughs> Ready to cut some bitches up. It's kind of hard to look at each other because, like, we look like this weird Bigfoot thing. And every time I look at MK, I start to laugh. <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> it's kind of the mask is almost cutting our lips off, so you can just kind of see our teeth. Yeah. And it's really like kind <laughs> of like horrifying. An it definitely looks like a yeti. <laughs> but we're gonna we're gonna look so good when this is over. We're gonna have like cucumbery, dewy skin. We're gonna have the softest skin. Glowing. It was already pretty soft, but yeah, it might get softer. Yeah. The idea. Hopefully, this $2 face mask better make my skin the softest it's ever been or ever will be. So what are some of the more interesting projects you've gotten to do as a voiceover actress? Oh, um, well, I do a lot of uh, erotic audiobooks, actually. I have a pseudonym that doesn't say exactly what it is, but... I do um I do some lesbian romance books as my as Stephanie Murphy. Um I've done a couple of books that are just about women falling in love and I, I love to do those stories cuz I mean, let's be honest, women are superior and it's just better to you know, it's just better. Um, <laughs> let's be real here. Um, I love to narrate lesbian love stories and um, what else have I done? I, like, I don't know. I mean, I've done some Kickstarter videos that were really successful. I've done like a uh, phone system for Pep Boys, which was like pretty, I guess, big and mainstream. I've done some, uh, commercials, like some national TV and radio commercials. I, people always ask me that, like, what's your biggest project? Like, what would I recognize you from? And the answer is, I don't know. It kind of depends on what you listen to. But I have over 50 audiobooks on audible.com. You can look me up, uh, Stephanie Murphy and uh, check them out. I always learn something new. I just got a contract to do a book called Getting Screwed, Sex Workers and the Law, which seems really interesting, and I had to audition for it because I just thought, like, I really want to read this book. Either, either way, like, either if I get it or not. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's all about how criminalization of sex work just hurts, harms women, and, um, you know, the swerfs kind of need to go. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm looking, yeah, you told me about that. And I really want to read the book now. And of course, I want to listen to the audio book too. And you know, when you're done with it. And uh, yeah, it's a fascinating topic. And it's something that I've learned a lot more about over the years. Because at first, I guess in my, as an early feminist, it wasn't really even a topic I, I don't know, I, I was super focused on. I knew that the criminalization of prostitution is totally wrong and totally you know keeps people in jail and it, it's it's awful uh, I'm totally against it but I, I hadn't really dove deep into the kind of history behind some of those laws and then also yeah how they're still being used to keep people down how there's entire wings of people uh, who claim to be feminists saying oh well, we're, we have to protect these women and, and to yeah, be fair, for their own good, put them in jail for their own good. Yeah, put them in jail for their own good, and give the cops like this enormous power over them, which you can which never trust. Backfires. The oh yeah, like shouldn't they have learned that by now? Like, the cops are the patriarchy. They, literally, yeah, they literally are. Yeah, force it. I mean, the idea of having to use them to try to get any kind of justice, uh, for example, in a rape case or something like that, is it completely traumatizing? Experience. Which is why most women don't report rapes because they don't want to go through the trauma and they don't want to be disbelieved and questioned and second-guessed and victim-blamed. Um, and it, it just doesn't usually go that well. Um, and it's, it's if you're a sex worker, it's a double whammy too because sex workers can be raped. And I mean, if yep. that somehow gets discovered... Oh, yeah, that's another rape myth. Like People think, oh, it's impossible to rape a sex worker. It's possible to rape your wife. And it's impossible to rape a sex worker. Well, guess what? They can be raped. 
and they do get raped all the time and they get violently beat up too um Mm -hmm. and especially you know like trans women are at greater risk for being for both violence and rape and the cops aren't usually very helpful in those situations or they'll use the excuse of oh well if you're working in that industry that kind of comes with the territory mm-hmm. so which i mean you can you turn that back on them. Worker, right? That's well you shouldn't thing. be a cop or you ex- you should expect to get shot whenever you go into neighborhoods yeah uh, by the same logic by the same or, logic yeah right but yeah so so it's it's completely ridiculous and i'm glad that you're doing a book to kind of raise awareness about that issue because I think a lot of people overlook it because it's something that doesn't directly affect them, but is a huge, huge facet of society. And yeah, uh, I mean, they're Absolutely. believed the I mean, least when it comes to anything to do with the law or any kind of exploitation that they might be going through. Yeah, sex workers are completely marginalized, even though like nearly everybody has um, consumed porn, right? Every, people who act in porn are sex workers. In, a, in, you know, you could think of a sex worker as as people who sell sex, right? But then it, there's a broader definition of like a lot of different people who work in adult industries, ranging from legal to not legal, and all different, I guess, gradations of that. Like there's the the sort of happy hooker you know usually like a white middle class woman who goes into sex work because it's empowering for her and she likes it and she can make a lot of money um to like a teenager that's kind of like homeless or maybe got kicked out for being queer or something like that or trans and turns to sex work because it's like one of the only good options they have or one of the least bad options they have or whatever so you know there's there's lots of different types of sex workers and and like we have to expand our definition but yeah, if you've ever watched porn, like you've you've con- you've consumed sex, I guess in a way, and there's workers behind that providing that sex to you. Um, if you've ever been with a hooker, you know you've you've consumed you've hired a sex worker. Uh, if you've been to a strip club, you know, and then there's lots of stuff. It's dominatrix, a professional dom. You know, there's lots of ways to uh, to engage with sex workers, and and we all kind of do it, but yet they're so stigmatized and marginalized. Nobody wants to sort of admit that they exist nobody wants to really like see them as whole people it's it's a very stigmatized profession uh or range of professions and uh you probably know someone who is or was a sex worker at some time you may not even know it because they may not want to talk about it because they know that they'll be stigmatized too if they talk about it yeah and it's interesting that advertisers make billions of dollars off of selling sex and Mm -hmm. selling that very thing that you're not allowed to sell that you possess yeah well there's there's a whole other feminist argument about that right like um some feminists talk about the wage gap and like unequal pay and and how women are face systematic disadvantages when seeking employment because women are generally not paid as much as men or they get and or they get relegated to less desirable jobs such as shift work um, such as service jobs, such as care work, like caring for children and elderly people, house housework, traditionally sort of jobs that are seen as, quote, feminine, like cleaning and cooking and, you know, uh, not being like a master chef, but like being like the service worker kind of, kind of food service. So, um, you know, then there's some people who say, well, shit, like, they sex is one of the only things that we could sell that is that could potentially be highly valued and that we could make a ton of money but yet they take away the ability from from us to sell that and that and in doing so they're taking away an option and that makes it worse for women absolutely absolutely yeah so well sweet well i look forward to that coming out and where where can people find your work audible.com uh, search for stephanie murphy or you can visit my voiceover website which is smvoice.info if you want to hire me i haven't updated it in a while i really need to get on that but there is some of my older work on there um there, there is some of my my portfolio on there just like the more recent stuff um probably 
uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You'll see me around the internet. <laughs> Hells yeah. Well, Stephanie is visiting me. So... Oh, and sexandsciencehour.com. Sorry, that's that's where you really get the up-to-date scoop. That's like where I say my opinions, not just like free things that other people wrote, you know. So sexandsciencehour.com is the website for my podcast, which comes out every week. So Stephanie is visiting me. Uh, and yeah, I am the fucking best vacation. Ever. <laughs> I feel so recharged, so good. I feel like a shining cucumber. I feel like my sh- face is a shining cucumber of softness and delicious, <laughs> deliciousness and tiny pores. <laughs> yes. Oh, the, I can feel them closing right now. <laughs> like disappearing forever. So yeah. So it's been nice, uh, man. It's been a great winter down here where I'm at. You had to come from the frozen mountains of new hampshire but now we're <laughs> yeah, in Florida. i do i do live in new hampshire i don't mind it i lo- i actually kind of like the cold but i will admit it's been really nice to come down here and, and experience like beautiful weather even in the middle of the winter and we got to see like some of the flora and fauna you know we saw we saw like cows mini horses donkeys i hear there's peacocks on this road where mk lives uh we haven't seen the peacocks except like guys trying to peacock but Uh (laughs) we just ignored them and moved on um (laughs) what else what other animals we saw a bunch of dog a bunch of doggos definitely doggos all over the place and we saw florida man and woman in their native habitat didn't we yes i was just about to say that's bringing (laughs) us to our first segment which i i did a brief segment of this on the first episode of iconosass and that is Florida man news or Florida person news. So I am a Florida native and everything you've heard about Florida is true. It <laughs> everything? Is everything. Hanging chads. Yep. Uh, Hanging. Swamp people. Yep. Hurricanes. Yep. Hurricane parties. Heroin. Yeah. Lots of heroin. Uh, Actually, more so Oxycontins and meth. Hillbilly heroin. Hillbilly heroin. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's about the same, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so nudist resorts. Nudist resorts. Yeah. Oh, actually, yeah. This is kind of the capital of nudist resorts where I'm at. Uh, but yeah, speaking of yeah, speaking of hillbilly heroin, this ha- that also has something to do with this story. So we were at this comedy show. And yeah, we went to a comedy club. We went to a bar that had a comedy show. It wasn't really a comedy club. It was like a bar that had a comedy show. Right, right. So, so yeah, I wanted to kind of see. I was invited by a friend of mine. And I went to go check it out. And so these comics get up there. They were pretty funny. And throughout the night, this couple at the front row is kind of heckling them. And I've been to a few comedy shows. And hecklers are usually unwanted. And they're the most annoying people. And these people were pretty annoying. And, uh, but the comics were giving it right back and it was kind of funny. Yeah, they were, there was some counter heckling going on. Lots of counter heckling. <laughs> and so the, the last comic gets on stage and she is hilarious. Um, and she actually half of her act, not half of it, but like a good portion of it was talking with these people and their <laughs> names were Kim and Bucky. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. And we know that because they made that clear and... They were the king and queen of Florida, too much information, like, just They They were a little bit loose-lipped. I think they'd had a couple of drinks, you know, and they started, they started heckling right away. Oh, Um, God, it was so great. So, like, yeah, so she asked them their name, and and they eventually say their name, and somehow the topic of pills came up, and this woman raises up a bottle of Percocet. She's like, I got a whole bottle of Percocet. <laughs> and later on, was it before or after? after it was that. After, after that, she also randomly blurts out that she's wearing a fentanyl patch, too. <laughs> and, so she's and high as a fucking kite. She's high as a kite, and she's drinking alcohol. And I'm pretty sure, like, you're not supposed to mix those with each other. And you're also <laughs> not supposed to drink alcohol when taking either one of them. So right. she was breaking all the rules. She was just a rebel without a cause. Uh, that's Florida woman for you. That's right. That's we do Florida not give a does. fuck. And I, oh we, my are God. You in the Florida woman? I, I mean, like, I have a repressed Florida woman. You can take a woman out of Florida, but you can't take Florida out of the woman. What, what do we have to do to get her to come out? What, how do we make MK's inner Florida woman come out? That'd be like Superman telling you where the kryptonite is. Like, I'm not going <laughs> to. 
I'm not going to let you know what it takes. All right, fine. That's fair. You'll know if she has to come out, though. She has to be deployed in certain situations when dealing with other Florida people, though. Yeah. It's a survivor thing. You recognize your own. And these were, oh, God. At, like, at one point, how did the comic was talking about, like, like There was the part about the something. nudist report, or the nudist resort. Yeah, there's a part about the nudist resort, but, like, there's also... Because at one point, Kim blurts out that, like, they had sex and their condom broke earlier that night. Oh, so this is how it started. So the first part of the comic set before she started talking to the audience was about her kids and how annoying she finds her kids and how, like, much of a living hell they make her life. And so she's she spent a lot of time complaining about kids, and somehow it got to... Um, Bucky and Kim had a little accident with the condom. Earlier that night. Earlier, just that night. Um, so yeah, I really feel like we got to know these people who were heckling the comics. We had a window into their soul, definitely. (laughs) And a window into their prescription drug list. It was very humid. The funny thing was... Damp like Florida. (laughs) (laughs) The window to the soul. There was a pharmacist in the audience, oh, and she was just, like, face-palming and, like, laughing her ass off. Yeah, she's, like, shaking her head and just, like, <laughs> oh, Lord, like, please. So it was, uh, yeah, rarely do you get to see a Florida person in the wild. And it's funny because I tell my friends about Florida, and, you know, it's kind of a running joke, right? Florida is such a crazy place, and I bring them here, and I always hope something weird like that will happen. Usually it doesn't. Usually you just have to read about Florida through the Florida man and Florida woman headlines, but Stephanie got this exquisite experience. I'm yeah. glad she could share that. I was not ready for it. She was not. I no was one's not ready prepared. for it when it happens. You're never prepared for Florida woman or Florida man. Waving a bottle of Percocet around, yeah. talking about her fentanyl patch. <laughs> you think Bucky and Kim were their real names? Yeah, they wouldn't have made up a pseudonym. No. <laughs> Those were their real names. I'm not even... And the thing is, I would censor this if I thought they'd give a shit about their privacy. But... No, but obviously they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> right. I would be scared to get Percocet from her. I'm just kidding. I don't need Percocet. No. I'm not into that shit. Yeah. I'm I'm not that kind of Florida woman. No. You're you're like the best kind of Florida woman. Aw, thank you. You're like the kind who could wrestle a gator. Oh, I yeah. I feel like. <laughs> I could definitely wrestle a gator. Yeah. <laughs> Or the kind who would who would um, check the collar on an old mangy blind do- doggo and call <gasps> call its owner and find that the number was actually disconnected. The ghost. Oh my dog. god! There's a ghost dog that lives on the dirt road that I live on, and I've seen it twice, and it always gets away from me. And it, this is a dog that like it hasn't been washed in weeks or months oh, or years and doggo. it's old and decrepit and doing it's me a heckin dirty doing oh a heckin dirty oh he's so he's so mangy and he's i'm pretty sure he's like mostly blind um because he doesn't run away when the car lights come up he just kind of like stands in the middle of the road um and so a co- like i got close to him one time and he had a number on his collar and i called the number and the number's disconnected so is it's like his owners don't exist and i i wasn't quite sure where to go with him but he got away from me basically and disappeared into the woods and Never i don't to know be seen again yeah and i mean was he was the dog ever there at all i mean i can tell the story but no one else observed the dog i believe you i believe you okay okay good that's <laughs> Someone believes me. <laughs> but yeah, Florida Florida men and women, Florida dogs. and You don't tell tall tales. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> I'm not making up the story about Florida man and woman at all. Like, oh, I, no, I Stephanie saw it. that. <laughs> I can definitely vouch for you. <laughs> it was one of the most Florida thing that's ever happened when a friend of mine was in town. Yep, I feel privileged. <laughs> I, that's privilege right there to have seen that. <laughs> so, if you were a furry, would you be a Florida Florida woman furry? Would that be your spirit animal? Maybe. What, what, what would you be if you were a furry? Oh man, I think that I would be a panther of some kind. Oh, cool! You could pull that off. Yeah. yeah. Which, like, I I think furries are great. Um, but there is a threat 
there's a threat that's bigger than regular furries, and there's a threat that's bigger than Florida men and women. And wow. you know what that is? Well, I have I have a couple of guesses. How many do I get? Three guesses. You get three guesses. Okay, is it is it communist furries? No, close. Is it tanky furries? Oh, very close. Is it Nazi furries? Dun dun dun. <laughs> So we came across, oh my goodness, the alt furries, if you can believe this, it. This is nuts. This is out, out of this world. This is amazing. I came across this article. Just when you thought it was safe to go on the internet. Yeah, just when you thought it was safe to go on the internet. In the age of Trump and actual Nazis getting punched in the face and crazy shit that's going on. We're seeing the rise of the Third Reich. The Third Reich. The Third Reich. With an F. And I came across this article in New States. It's at newstatesman.com and it's by Amelia Tate. And the title of it is The Third Reich The Truth About Nazi Furries and the Alt Right. And the subtitle is People Who Dress Up as Animals Are Adopting Nazi Style Iconography and Calling Themselves Alt Furry. What's behind it? Now, before I start this article, because it gets weird, but before I start it, there was a pop-up that came on this site, and I thought it was so <laughs> ironic and weird. So this is the pop-up that came, and normally I hate pop-ups, but this was one that I just had to take a screen cap of, and it says in big, in big bold letters, the Trump era has begun whether it's tweeting about his enemies or using his children as advisors, Donald J. Trump, Donald J. Trump is not a conventional president. We need a strong media to hold the new U.S. president and other world leaders to account. So subscribe to the New Statesman today and help us produce more of our signature blend of comment, reporting, and criticism. So, okay. I feel, I feel like they're just... Yeah, shit, we might as well ask for money. We're definitely, like, a joke website. We're not, like, doing any serious political, like, holding down the line against Trump and his fascism or anything. So why don't we just ask for money and dumb people will give it to us? <laughs> but, well, it's funny because in the screen cap, there's these pictures on tablets, and it's kind of, I guess, former, um, it looks like, I guess, maybe past editions of the magazine, and one's about... Brexit and two of them are about Trump and so this is like this terrible thing right that, well, we oh don't my even God. know that they were really past editions of it, it could yeah be just like mock-ups it could just something. be mock-ups or something but it's so crazy because it's like oh my god we need to have honest reporting and then there's an article like this which is basically spends a lot of time trying to scare you about these three Nazi furries that this person tracked down in some weird corner of the internet as if as if alt furries are a real problem right. that we need to be afraid of. I mean she was looking for these alt furries. She like, was looking she was for digging these alt for it. Furries, like and they kind of danced you you'll see in the article, but they kind of dance around even embracing Except one of them. One of them does embrace the alt furry label. Yes. But he feels it doesn't go far enough. But, oh, jeez. But the other one that they focused Spoiler on. Spoiler alert. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Just in case you wanted to, you know, be enthralled by this article, yeah, read right. it on your own and find out the ending. But but one of the but the first the original alt furry um, is reluctant to even call himself a Nazi. He basically yeah. says it's complicated. So let's find out more about this guy. So this is how the article starts off. It starts with a quote. It's just a piece of cloth. That's really what it is. Foxler Nightfire is calling me from his home in Fort Collins, Colorado. Over the last few days, the 29-year-old has faced a torrent of online abuse after posting a picture of himself dressed as a fox on the social network Twitter. Though furries, people who dress up as animals occasionally for sexual purposes, often face criticism. I thought it was like always for sexual purposes. I didn't think they did it for like maybe it's like BDSM where they some people claim it's non-sexual. I think it's just LARPing. Okay, they just like to yeah go out and you know it doesn't be, have to be sexual. Get down with their foxler self. Yeah. Oh my god! It is this something picture. other. This is this is one of my favorite parts. It is something other than Foxler's fursuit, known as a fursona, <laughs> that has drawn the internet's ire. The problem? 
On his left arm, he is wearing a red armband emblazoned with a white circle in which sits a black symbol. And then there's a picture of this motherfucker. Uh, it, okay, like the first thing you think is Nazi when you look at that armband. Like the first fucking thing you think. I'm not wearing my glasses right now, but I wouldn't even look to see if that was a swastika. It looks just like a Nazi armband. But like on the least intimidating uh, on thing a, on I've a ever seen. cartoon fox, <laughs> on a guy dressed in a fox suit. Like if I saw this, I would think he was parodying Nazis. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely giving you a very serious wolfy look kind of thing. He's trying to look like a hard ass mm-hmm. in a fox suit. In a very his fluffy name. fox suit. And his name was Foxler Nightlife. <laughs> <laughs> The accessory looks like a Nazi armband is the caption. Yeah, no shit. Well, actually, so if you look at... So in that first photo, it definitely looked like a Nazi armband. Now, in the subsequent photos, you can see it better, and you can tell that it's not actually a swastika on the armband. It's a paw print. Right. So that, you know, that could give him a little bit of leeway. And he is wearing, like, a red tie, and so it matches his red tie. It's kind of like a, you know, fashion accessory. But it's it is a little weird that it it's in the form of an armband and it looks exactly like the Nazi armband. Yeah, this is this is very similar. And uh, oh my god, I, I just have to. So you know that you've that you're reading a hard hitting news piece about a real threat when they cite someone tweeting about. Oh the yeah, Nazi that when become news, yeah. And this tweet by. XVX LaFlair says, Nazi furries exist, and I have never been more ready to knock someone the fuck out. So, well, I don't advocate violence against no, Nazi furries. No, I don't advocate violence against anyone. Because, but... first of all, like, are you really going to be intimidated by that? Just look at him. No, he no. He looks like I he would, might try to give I, you a hug. I would not attack him, no. And I, I don't endure, I don't, like... I don't like the Nazi punching thing either. Like, it definitely makes me really uncomfortable. So full stop, I don't endorse or advocate violence at all. I can see why this person is freaked out, though, (laughs) and might want to tweet about it. But, Stephanie, it's obviously not a swastika, claims Foxler, who also insists his furry name is a portmanteau of Fox and his real surname, Miller, not Hitler, as many online argue. Too many things coming together to be coincidence. I kind of feel like Nazis ruined the armband as a fashion accessory. Like, like just don't. Just armbands. No. I mean, I I guess in the Vietnam War, people wore these black armbands to protest it, but that was a solid black armband, right? That was like totally different. That couldn't be confused. With that a could a not Nazi be confused armband. with a Nazi armband. Yeah. Well, and sorry. it gets it gets better. Like as as the article goes on, it, at first you're thinking like, okay, well the armband that could be just like a gauche mistake. Like that could be a coincidence. Maybe he didn't. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt. And his name being Foxler, okay, that could possibly be his last name, Miller and Fox. All right, maybe it's not about Hitler. But then it starts to get a little more suspicious. But then, when it, the as the article goes on, the evidence starts to mount that actually he probably actually is a Nazi furry. Well, hold on, let's find out more about this guy. <laughs> this is his history, which, by the way, okay, you know, yeah, I'll just let, I'll just let him speak for himself. Foxler says he first began wearing the armband, which features a paw print in the place of a swastika, after he dropped out of high school and started playing the online role-playing game Second Life, in which the band was available as a character accessory. I didn't take any consideration because of my lack of World War II knowledge, he says. I don't think I could ever take it off at this point. It's so ingrained into my character, my persona. Okay, so the armband is a part of his persona, and it came from Second Life. So he didn't think of it. And is he trying to say, like, what? I What? I didn't know about World War II. You can't blame me. I just got this from Second Life. Well, public schools, dude, am I right? Now you did. Yeah, public schools. <laughs> Where did he go to school? I mean... He dropped out of school before they talked about World War II. <laughs> Shit, I'm pretty sure they started that in, like, fourth grade. Uh, 
Well, I mean, you know, I could give him, I, I guess, like, I, I wouldn't want to belittle someone for not having an education, right? Because not everybody right. has the same opportunities in that department. And some schools really don't teach you much about World War II or about, like, the fashion of World War II, right? Or the Nazi. But, but then you start to go on the internet and you kind of figure out, like, if you surf around on the internet, like, hey, this is a Nazi thing. It's kind of a meme, you know? So once you realize it, or once you, once you actually do know that it, it's associated, like, dude, get a different armband or get, take off the armband or like put the prop print on your tie instead of the armband, unless you're just trolling or something. Well, he sounds like a teenage boy of some kind. So it's yeah. very, it's very possible high, very that he's completely possible a trolling thing. and he's trying to be somewhat ambiguous so he can have plausible deniability, but he's totally trolling. But the plot thickens. Ooh. After Foxler's tweet of his picture went viral, he was quickly branded a Nazi furry. He's currently getting 10 notifications every 10 seconds on Twitter and is attempting to fight back. He is half Thai and half German and describes his boyfriend as black, noting that his mother is from Singapore. He claims that he in no way identifies with the Nazi party. If you want to put a political stance on me, I'm kind of right down the center, he says. But because of this huge push of people saying I'm a Nazi and they don't want me to exist, I started to feel and I need to protect my position. You could say that I'm starting to feel a little more right wing. So it's the people who are calling him a Nazi that's making him want to move more to the right wing? It's their fault? I mean, that that's how the Holocaust was started, right? It was like the Jews. Oh, it was all the, the fault Nazis. of the Jews. Totally right. They I mean, should. The they Jews should never the have said anything. They should. They should have just shut their Jew mouths. Totally. Well, I mean, they were hurting Hitler's feelings and calling him a Nazi. So yeah, so it's totally their fault. That's just basically their fault. Foxler's story sounds very convenient, and I searched his name on Twitter along with the word Jew to see if he'd made hateful comments. Although I initially found nothing. Some other furries, who are against Nazi furries, these are the good guys, messaged me some screenshots of comments they claim Foxler has made on YouTube, in which he says, I hate black people, and I stand by Hitler. Well, Foxler admits he made these comments, but he tells me he was just trolling. Oh yeah, you can say anything and then just say, oh, J JK, just kidding. I was just trolling. I was just trolling. It's so okay. is he still trolling? Is he still trolling right now during the article? Or was he only trolling when he made the comments that said, I don't like black people? Hold up. He doesn't say he doesn't like black people. <laughs> He's going to clarify. This is great. This, this part here, this is when it gets, oh, this is great. He goes, when people started calling me out a few, a few years ago, I started to troll real Nazis and see how they would react to furry that, li that aligns with them, he says over Twitter. What I got out of it was, go die, you mutt. Reason I could never support people like that. I asked him, does he hate black people? There, and it's spelled incorrectly. Two parts to that one. So he said he tried, so he said when people started calling him a Nazi furry, there's a lot of typos in his writing, but he, said, yeah, he basically says when people started to call him a Nazi furry, he started trolling real Nazis to see how they would react to him if he was a Nazi furry. And the Nazis did not embrace him. Surprise, surprise. The real Nazis did not like the Nazi furry. That's, that's a shocker. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so this is how he answers. So, okay, this is a pretty straightforward question. Does so, he hate black people? Right. The reporter asked him, okay, do you hate black people? And he goes, oh, there's two parts to that one. Okay, dude. In my normal life, not at all, he says. But in my personal sexual life, I don't like any race, which means I wouldn't sleep with a black man. Now, my boyfriend is mixed black and Asian. I sleep with him just fine. When I was young, I used to be anti-gay. So why the change? It's because he's not a human to me when I look at him. He's a blue wolf. Oh, makes perfect sense. <laughs> so he doesn't like any race because he's a furry? And then this is like a, an awkward response to the, the author says, When I say I feel misled by the fact that over the phone Foxler denied having any Nazi views, he says, It's hard. We're talking about my whole life story here. Uh, wow. This 
this, dude. I mean, I feel like if you say, if someone asks you if you're a Nazi and you say, well, it's complicated, I mean. <laughs> right, like it's complicated. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, like, if someone asks you, do you hate black people, and you say there are two parts to that. Yeah, you say, if your answer is not no, like. <laughs> well, first of all, if they're asking you to, to begin with, like, what did you do to prompt that response right? to someone? Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. <laughs> but this is hot. Oh, God. But just because Foxer claims not to identify as a Nazi furry, it doesn't mean they don't exist. So this reporter did some in-depth journalism. Oh, yeah. By going to... We should to... give him some money. Yeah, she, she went back to... A live journal page from 2005. Ooh, archive.org <laughs> from the internet. Huh? Right. <laughs> she did her research. So um, apparently there's a live journal page created for people who were furries and fetishized Nazi uniforms. And then since, since then the group has spread with illustrations and role plays across the internet. And there's now even an erotic novel, The Furred Reich. Available to buy on Amazon. And this is the point at which this article starts to feel a lot like sponsored content. Uh-huh. You, yeah, exactly. You said that. Um, this is pretty <laughs> much... Is it an affiliate link? Is it like an expose? Is this like a plug for a book? Is this like outrage porn making you worried about these people? Is this bullying in the form of interviewing this poor kid? I think it could be all of the above, honestly. It's just very confused, and I don't want to give this magazine money. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, we're going to have to... We're not going to go through it. I can't read this whole article because it's just... It's a bit much. Yeah. But we're going to skip ahead because she did seem to... <laughs> she did seem to try to find uh, some real real Nazi furries, the uh, actual ones. It's worth noting, then, that beneath their costumes, furries are humans, and thus have as diverse a range of opinions as any other subsection of society. Some Nazi furries, therefore, are white supremacists, and others are simply into kinky costumes. Others, like Foxler, might hide in plain sight by wearing costumes, but then deny holding Nazi beliefs. The whole thing, then, is incredibly complex. Oh, yes, it is. Well, actually, it's not that complex. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> uh. um, so, she found another guy, a man in his late 20s, who identifies as Puka, a shapeshifter. Um, but and his name his is name... QQ. Yeah, his name is QQ. Which, isn't that like a 4chan thing? Like, you know, the crying eyes emoticon thing? Oh, maybe. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, man. So, so this guy considers himself the leader of the alt-furry movement. Self-described. De Self-described. Okay, so Foxler's leader. like the Heinrich Hemmler, Joseph Goebbels, or... Um, what was that astronaut guy? Um, oh, the guy who... Operation Paperclip, the guy who got brought to the U.S., the scientist. Oh God, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Um, oh, what oh, the shit. fuck is his name? And he did design like the entire space program for NASA in the Apollo 11. He bought a bunch of them. They did, but the most famous one was Werner von Braun. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, so, so yeah, Werner von Werner Braun. Werner von Braun. <laughs> he's the Werner von Braun. Well, no, he's probably not that smart. <laughs> probably not. I, I don't. I don't think Foxler. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not worried about Foxler. I'm not worried about any of these people. <laughs> no, I, I think this. So I read this article. This is a hilarious article, but let's be real. Like these people are not a threat. Yeah. Like this. Uh, what can they do? I mean, it. Whatever. Like if they're, even if they do have like white supremacist beliefs or Nazi beliefs, and they're just dressing up like animals and playing with each other i mean okay fine i'll yeah. just leave them alone hopefully as long as they leave me alone no big deal right right um yeah so qq here he kind of breaks down the alt furry thing a bit more so over the last week hashtag alt furry has gained attention on twitter after foxler used a hashtag to thank the group for supporting him QQ says that the origins of the term alt-furry are confused, and to avoid it being co-opted or used wrongly, he decided to turn it into an explicitly right-wing movement. 
And this is what this guy says. I rule with an iron fist and crush dissenters beneath my foot paws. He tells me over Twitter's direct messaging service. <laughs> oh, okay. No, nothing like threats delivered through Twitter's direct messaging service. That's actually hilarious, brilliant trolling. I think that's really funny to jump out in front of the parade of Nazi furries and claim to be their leader. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. This yeah. is amazing. I'm wondering if like this this author got completely trolled by these people. <laughs> yeah, or she's or she's in on it. I mean, either one. Uh, I, I don't give <laughs> bloggers these days much credit. Yeah, no way. I don't even call them writers anymore. They're just bloggers. Even if you write for, like, a main site, I'm pretty yeah, much a blogger. You were, you were reading this before, like, off the air, and you were like, oh, how fake news is this? You were looking into it. Like, you, you actually... You, we were talking about this. Like, real journalism doesn't even exist anymore. Like, all the stuff that you're supposed to do to have, like, objective journalism, nobody fucking does it. Yeah, like, literally, there's no like such thing as objective journalism. Like, everybody has a bias, and they're all trying to pretend that they don't, but they do. Exactly, and, and that's the thing. I mean, you might as well just say you're a propagandist or you just write op-eds. We don't try to make it out to be something it's not. Like, this is obviously someone with some, I mean, maybe she has a hilarious agenda because this is cracking me up. But I think her agenda kind of is serious. to get people to click on it and like, read it. Right, right. <laughs> so, uh, so, wow, they've been rejected. This is kind of interesting. Alt furries have now been rejected by Richard Spencer, a white supremacist and founder of the alt-right. Wow, even Richard Spencer doesn't want the alt furries. Jeez. Maybe they should That's, organize uh, against him instead. I don't know. Sure, turn them against each other. Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> so let's see. So QQ, he's uh, he's our leader, self-proclaimed leader. Wow. He goes, we would more accurately be described as a furry supremacy movement, although many of us believe that there is a place for furries within Richard Spencer's ethno-state. Nah, y'all would well, not Richard be. Well, Richard Spencer doesn't believe there's a place for furries in his ethno state. <laughs> I was about to say, I don't think Richard Spencer is uh, going to be about this at all. Oh my god. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I would think that like any Nazi worth of salt would consider furries a sexual degenerate and therefore not part of the, not part of the acceptable spectrum of expression that Nazis allow. Yeah, and I mean, you go further down, and this this all furry sounds, you know, like a regular, um, you know, progressive almost here. Like, here he goes. The only degeneracy that will be acceptable is getting gay married someday, he adds, though other alt furries can be homophobic. But he goes, but that isn't the only thing we are fighting for. We are fighting against systemic speciest oppression. So he goes... Speciest. Wow, I mean, fighting against any kind of systemic oppression doesn't sound very Nazi to me. That sounds kind of like social justice. Yeah, warrior. it sounds exactly the opposite. So there's a clue that he's either confused or trolling. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I want to say like he's trolling, and I think that's like I think he's trolling. Half of journalism these days is like journalists writing investigative pieces that it's just people trolling them. Yep. Which, by the way, Ann Coulter. Oh, she's there's you know queen <laughs> troll. Yeah, oh MK has a ha, MK has a, well, I don't know how much evidence there is, but just like observing her, it's total you know. gut feeling. Actually, there's no evidence whatsoever to support this. <laughs> That's I'm okay. Just gonna put on my tinfoil hat. That's what my icono sass is for. I got mine on already. This is purely speculation. Everything on this podcast don't believe any of it except the story about florida man and woman because that was a hundred percent true <laughs> that's right <laughs> yeah so mk thinks ann coulter is is a complete troll like you know being her age and not being married or having kids despite and... being talking about how wonderful conservative values are which mm -hmm. would include the nuclear family and a bunch of kids and of course yeah she shouldn't even be like like oh, why is she even working? Writing so much, yeah. She should be finding a husband and being submissive to him. Yeah, why isn't she barefoot in the kitchen? Good question. That's very I think suspicious. She's I think I think she's got some gay friends too. She invites them over for Christmas. 
That's true. I, I think she's going to come out in like another couple years as a, as a total troll and she's going to be like, look at how much money I made off of these conservatives. And she was actually a radical feminist the entire time. Yeah, she cucked him. She cucked him off. Cucked like the entire Fox News right wing conservative contingent. (laughs) Now, how many people, if she came out as a radical feminist, how many people would follow her? Like, how many people of her of her current followers would just be like would like accept what she says? Like, would change their minds and switch teams? I think a lot of people would. Yeah, because they're kind of like magnetized by her charismatic personality. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people would too, actually. Mm -hmm. She seems interesting. She's very interesting. She's she's sassy. I mean, I wish she's sassy, but she can't really be a sassy bun. She's not really allowed to be a sassy bun, unfortunately. She's until she comes out as the troll that I suspect and hope that she is, and (laughs) disavows all conservative values and uh bullshit like that repents of her sins <laughs> against Says humanity how marries <laughs> yeah <laughs> then then you know she might she might be one day eligible to be a sassy bun right but hear that in got got some work ahead of you you, you do get, you want to be a sassy bun get your shit right uh, get right with jesus get right with jesus <laughs> But we do have a sassy bun, and this sassy bun was inspired by a place that we went to um, yesterday. Oh, actually, yeah. we went to the Salvador Dali Museum in Saint Petersburg, and they had a Frida Kahlo exhibit. And Frida Kahlo is going to be our sassy bun on this podcast episode. So, Hell yeah, she is a great one. She is definitely sassy. This was a fascinating exhibit. We saw Frida Kahlo's art, and I didn't know a lot about her early life. Actually, I always enjoyed her art. She's known as a surrealist, and she did a lot of self-portraits, and she was very good at capturing faces and portraits of people mm. and their expressions and the kind of just the, the raw emotion yeah, inside of them. Very good at making you feel emotion through, because that's what art is supposed to do and make you feel stuff. Right. And so when you see the faces in her art, you immediately recognize the emotions that that person is supposed to be feeling. Right. And she was born on July 6th in 1907 in Mexico city. And she, her work has been described as a ribbon around a bomb, and that was by Andre Breton, the principal initiator of the Surrealist movement. And she didn't, she almost rejected that label. She wouldn't really describe herself as a Surrealist because she argued that her work reflected more of her reality than her dreams, and she had an extremely tragic life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, uh, she the biggest tragedy or the most well-known one, I guess, was that she was in a bus accident when she was like 19 or like 20 around that age in 1925. 18. Yeah. Oh, 18. Yeah. And, um, she actually got like basically gored with a pole that was, that went through her pelvis and she lived, but she had all these surgeries. She had like 30 something surgeries and she spent a lot of time laid up in bed, essentially, trying to recover from this. And while she was in bed, she painted. And I guess her dad made her like a special easel so that she could paint while she was in bed because she had nothing else to do. Right. And that's where she really discovered her style of artwork. And it was very introspective. And she lived a, a very tragic life. Yeah, she was um, really badly injured and crippled almost. And medicine around this time was really shitty really really bad Uh, she had to go through several extensive surgeries and um and even her childhood was very difficult she was raised by a uh she described her mother as kind active and intelligent but also calculating cruel and fanatically religious and even one of her older sisters ran away um it was such a Kind of bad family situation. Mm. Um, and when she was six years old, she contracted polio. Wow. So she even had, she had health issues before even before the, the bus accident. accident. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but 
it's amazing because she's such a testament to endurance and striving and she's dealing with all of these struggles very early on in her life and she uses art to overcome that and mm. was very inspirational to others. She was a bit of an underappreciated artist in her lifetime, but became way more recognized after she passed away. But she was still very well connected with the, I mean, I guess you call them the intelligentsia of that era. Mm. Um, she was close to uh, Leon Trotsky and his wife. Um, she ended up marrying Diego Rivera she actually pursued him. Um, <laughs> she pursued him and they were married a year later. It was a bit of a tumultuous relationship, though, um, you know, he was not very often faithful to her. But they, they both took, uh, you know, multiple lovers. She took male and female lovers, um, you know, and she was also a member of the uh, Socialist Party. Um, she was a pinko commie, yeah. Definitely, <laughs> definitely a commie. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, very extremely talented as well. Um, so she originally wanted to be a doctor, but she had to change those plans after she got into the accident mm. because it, she had to be bedridden for so long to recover from uh, her surgeries and her injuries. And basically her father, as you mentioned earlier, made an easel for her and uh, a mirror was placed above the easel easel so she could paint herself mm. and that became painting became a way for Kayla to explore questions of identity and existence and this is a constant kind of theme just struggle and rebirth and continuing to kind of go through all these traumatic experiences. she also had trouble giving birth she found out that she wasn't able to give birth and she suffered I believe three miscarriages yeah too, and she turned that into very powerful art pieces. We saw some of these in the exhibit, mm -hmm. and I mean, where she's lying in the bed with like a red, you know, umbilical cord. She has a lot of little umbilical cords in her paintings, and like ribbons and strings connecting her to like fetuses and different things. She was also like, she had a couple of times where she was, she had to wear like a cast like around her back or her like middle and. I mean, imagine how confining that is, like, just to take a deep breath. You, you really can't um, just to try to heal her injuries, but, I mean, it just really didn't work. They didn't know what the fuck to do, basically. I mean, she was kind of just broken really early on. Yeah, yeah, but, but she persevered. I mean, she, um, you know, she, let's see, in, in June of 1928, she was introduced to Diego Rivera, ended up, marrying him he was one of the most successful artists um of that time too yeah. and also very active in the communist party or he was the love of her life uh he was a constant theme in her paintings too mm -hmm. um despite and this is a kind of he's you know a self-confessed womanizer so yeah by all accounts like he he was like a chauvinist i mean i could you imagine like in the 1930s 20s and 30s like um, just the, the culture and in Mexico too, like there's this machismo and there's like, you know, everybody's into the traditional gender roles. And even though they may have been sort of like leftists and, you know, you might think that would make them perhaps more progressive in terms of their views on gender and relationships. Um, in a lot of ways, they probably really weren't, you know, or he probably really wasn't. I mean, it's hard to imagine any political party of that time being very forward-thinking about women's rights. Yeah, I mean, no. there were feminist movements, but uh, even those were kind of seen as separate from mm -hmm. the from struggles in communism because they kind yeah. of focus more on class struggle mm -hmm. and things Even like Marx that. wasn't, uh, you know, he was no feminist. <laughs> no, I mean, a lot of communists were, yeah, no fan of women and Definitely. not feminists. And even... Uh, U.S. leftist communist movements. Uh, I mean, you even saw this. I mean, even some in some of the civil rights groups and things like that. You had a lot of rampant sexism. Um, it was kind of seen as you you picked one struggle or the other. You either fought for civil rights uh, for black people or rights for women. Mm -hmm. um, even though they're not mutually exclusive, and, and thankfully things are much better now. Mm -hmm. um, due to the efforts of, you know, many of those people. 
but but yeah, kind of back to the some of these exhibits were I, some of the paintings were just so powerful. I mean, I was almost in tears, mm-hmm. you know, with some of them, just very powerful. And she was she was a bit underappreciated in her lifetime too, which is, I mean, you see that a lot with with a lot of artists. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's kind of ironic because I actually haven't really seen any of Diego Rivera's art. Yeah, I, I haven't. I'm not as familiar with his art. But now even she he became was much more famous, famous than that. He was famous in the day, but yeah, she became more famous than him. Right, right. Yeah, and and uh, the last laugh. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. Oh, I love this video. There was this video, a, a very mm. brief video that was playing. There was clips of her life and uh, just different. It was kind of documentary scenes. It was uh, you know, her and Diego and you know, a few other, um, you know, just, and she's just kind of doing everyday things. But the, one of the very last scenes (laughs) is you see this woman standing there and Frida kind of comes up behind her and like, I guess almost gives her a little like kiss on the neck or something. Mm -hmm. And like, and takes her into the bedroom. Yeah. Directs her into this bedroom (laughs) behind her and then closes these doors. And right as the doors close, you see this like really coy look. She's peeking out the door with this like smirk on her face. Oh, it's so (laughs) cute. It's so cute. Yeah. And, uh, it was, yeah, it's very, uh, Seemed like almost scandalous to even. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. Because I mean, oh my god, like lesbian stuff going on in the nineteen thirties. Yeah, like, this is the nineteen thirties. So. Dangerous territory. You got to be real sassy to do that. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and yeah, and she absolutely was. And um, you know, unfortunately, her health did decline. She um, she only lived to be forty seven. She yes, she she passed away when she was only forty seven. Um, after being, you know, extremely active in the art world, but also in the political realm too. And she mm-hmm. was very, mu- very much believed in the cause of revolutionary communism. Yeah. Which I can't really, I don't really get behind. Really get behind. <laughs> um, but you know, it, it, it is, uh, it is interesting. You do see an overlap with art and politics. Yeah, definitely. Um, Except what was really interesting was there was also, not to make this about a man, but um, there was a Salvador Dali exhibit at the same museum that we went to where we saw Frida Kahlo's paintings. And uh, Dali was actually like kind of pressured to join like communist groups, but he didn't want to. He was like completely apolitical. He didn't want to get involved with it at all. He just wanted to make art. And he was, like, totally outcast from them after a while. Yeah, they basically, yeah. He had no friends. (laughs) Yeah, he he wouldn't join their political movements, even though a lot of his art was mocking the political establishment. There's this one called, I believe it's called The Bureaucrat, or The Mind of a Bureaucrat, where it's, like, this Mm -hmm. uh, very surrealist-looking guy's face and then you kind of see an opening in his skull and it's just a couple of seashells yeah there's not much in there (laughs) there's not much going on (laughs) yeah there's actually a couple of paintings where he talks about like a bureaucrat and he just paints this like crazy thing like this weird you know it's not a flattering portrayal of of a bureaucrat (laughs) right well you know they're not (laughs) they're not the greatest anyway um but yeah so yeah, we had a good time. Um, we, uh, I mean, art is just such a powerful tool for social change too. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, just admiring it has always been a huge part of my life. It's gotten me through some crazy dark times yeah. in my life. And, uh, and, you know, we're facing dark times kind of socially right now. I mean, there's a lot of kind of turmoil and, one thing I, I've said before is I hope that the silver lining with some of the chaos we're seeing right now is you do maybe see more of that fusion of activism and art that's that's meaningful mm-hmm. and, you know, moves things forward in a positive way. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it was so going to that museum and just like kind of getting lost in the paintings and it's, you almost go into like a meditative state. And also being able to relate so strongly, especially to Frida Kahlo's paintings, um, is is helpful. Like even when you're going through a ton of pain, so many artists like they've I, I don't want to say they've had it worse because like everybody has their own struggles and blah blah blah. But um, 
they've lived through a lot of pain and they turned it into lemonade you know they turn it into beautiful art and at least you can relate to them through that right you right feel so loved that's right <laughs> you're turning your pain into iconosass beautiful art <laughs> i guess so this is it's something <laughs> but i i've had a lovely time hosting this with you um me too yay. oh it's been a really fun visit thank you for having me on your show yes and i was recently on the sex and science hour as well and oh, yeah. my my favorite podcast and i am also sometimes a producer of mm-hmm. that too you are you're you are a producer because you send us a lot of show prep so i do i do so it's, do you have your listeners send in show prep to iconosize or? i was just about to say if you have anything weird and when i say weird you know what I we're mean. talking like nazi furry kind nazi of furry weird we the level of conversation is always weird send it over to iconosass at gmail.com I will read it and I will talk about it and I might talk shit about it, but in like a fun, <laughs> you know, fun way. Um, so definitely. And uh, once again, where can people find your podcast and your voiceover work and all the cool stuff you do? My podcast is at, well, my voiceover stuff is at smvoice.info and my podcast is at sexandsciencehour.com. I'd love it if you take a listen to one of the shows. And if you like it, subscribe. And if you don't, eh, okay, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks. It has absolutely been a pleasure. Dr. Stephanie fucking Murphy. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. M.K. Lords. Dr. Sure, I can, Uh, I'm a doctor or something, I guess. I'll, I'll, it doesn't matter. Degrees (laughs) or just pieces of paper. You're you're a doctor now. We're all doctors now. We're all doctors. I'm getting tired. But thank you. (laughs) Thank you for having me on your show. This was really fun. It has been awesome. And I hope to have you on again in the future. And uh, yeah, check out her stuff. And uh, yeah, again, if you have any weird stuff, send over to me. Iconostats at gmail.com. And give me a follow on SoundCloud too if you like what you hear. Sassy time. were starting to fall off a yeah bit. mine just kept coming out of like the bottom of my face and it was making it hard to talk so i hope it's not super muffled <laughs>